Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. Today, I want to conclude our short series as we've looked at and considered something in regard to the four Gospels. Now, let's just kind of review because this will be the episode where I want to tie in with you what I believe was on my heart to share to begin with. In the first lesson, we really focused on the four Gospels. We talked about why four were called. We talked about some reasons why they were necessary, why each mattered, and how each contributed to the whole. In the second episode, we focused on an Old Testament pattern to examine when considering the four ark bearers of the Old Testament, comparing those with the four Gospels. We focused on the Old Testament prescription by God for how his Ark of the Covenant was required to be carried by four priests and they had to bear it on their shoulders. And we talked about the significance of that being the fact that we looked at what the Ark represented. Then we saw how in the third lesson, Jesus is the epitome of what that ark represented because he is the true presence of God. He is God come in the flesh to dwell among us and even his name, Emmanuel, spoke of that. So in, in a sense, we can consider Jesus as the living ark. God himself with us. So lastly, I want to try to explain and help us understand how this Old Testament connection may fit with these four gospel writers. And this is what's been on my heart. There was a prescribed order of God when the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried. It represented God's very presence, and it had to be carried on the shoulders of these priests who would lift it high. had to be done by the priests and the Levites only. And in order to carry it, God instructed them and had them build it so that there were the four rings on the corners that the poles would slide through, and the poles were to be there all the time and the poles would be raised up above and rested on the shoulders of these four priests, these four Levites. The ark then would be lifted higher above them. The ark became the focal point. The ark was the central figure. Their job was merely to carry it and to lift it high so that it became prominent. Imagine carrying the ark in the days of the Old Testament. I can't imagine what it was like, but let's consider a few things. Think about the four men that did carry it. Think about their view. Think about the fact that they were up close and personal to it. Now, they could not touch the ark. That was the purpose of the four poles. But they had an up close and personal view that no one else did. They were the closest they had a detailed view. And two of them would be looking forward as they went forward. Two of them at the front would be looking forward 
and the two bringing up the rear would have more of the view of the ark itself. So what might all of this that we've talked about connect with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? I believe first we need to understand priesthood. There were three primary priesthood in the Bible. Now I've spoken about this in several other different messages and series, and I have expounded on these in greater detail in several of those, especially in the Bridge to Excellence Hebrews study, when we looked at the various priesthoods that were mentioned there, especially considering the Melchizedek priesthood. So I would encourage you to, to look into the archives into some of those. But there were three primary priesthoods in the Bible. There was the priesthood of Melchizedek. He came on the scene and we saw him in Genesis chapter 14. And he was priest of the Most High God. He's somewhat of a mysterious character in the sense that scholars debate and many books have been written about who he is, who he represented, who he may have been, etc., etc. In my personal opinion, I believe he was the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ himself, and I have several reasons for believing that. But there are varying opinions about who Melchizedek was. But he was the priest of the Most High God. And then we had the second priesthood that was primary in Scripture is the Levitical priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron and his sons, which formed what we call the Levitical priesthood. And then in Psalm chapter 110, verse 4, which is also quoted in Hebrews, God said he was establishing his own son, who is Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, as priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, not the order of Aaron. It's very important for us to understand that as well. And I get into more of why that is the case. But Jesus is priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So we had the Melchizedek priesthood. Then we had the Levitical priesthood. And then in Jesus, we have the priesthood of the Messiah after the order of Melchizedek. So the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's in Hebrews chapter 8, and it talks about how the priesthood has been changed. By the time that the author writes the book of Hebrews, there has been a transfer of priesthood from the Levitical priesthood to Jesus, who is priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And as I mentioned in my Bridge to Excellence series on the book of Hebrews, I get into much more detail about that and about when that occurred. I believe it did occur, and it did occur at one specific event in Jesus' life, and that was at his baptism. Jesus became the new priest, established from then on after the order of Melchizedek. We have to remember John was the Levitical priest, the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Zacharias was a priest, we learn in Luke chapter 1. And so John was, in fact, 
of the Levitical line of Aaron and entitled to be serving as a Levitical priest according to God. But John even made this statement, I must decrease that he may increase. John then baptizes Jesus and in that moment, several things occur regarding the baptism of Jesus. And I do have a short series where I've dealt with the baptism of Jesus. You can look that up as well if, you, if you're interested. But one of the things that happened at Jesus' baptism is this transfer of priesthood. So Jesus became priest forever and is now and always will be. We even have proof of that in two ways in the New Testament because some of the jobs of a priest were to intercede on behalf of the people and to minister among the lampstands in trimming the lamps. We see both of those happen with Jesus. After his resurrection and ascension, we see him now interceding forever for us, according to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. We also see him ministering among the lampstands in the book of Revelation chapter 1, including really chapters 2 and 3 as well. Both of these jobs were jobs of a priest in the service of the Lord's house. It doesn't really stop there completely because there is also a priesthood of the believer. We serve Jesus the high priest as priests to God. I want us to look at 1 Peter in chapter 2. I want to read verses 4 through 10. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, Elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And you see, this was one of the greatest mysteries in the Old Testament, it was there, it was hidden there. As a matter of fact, Peter references that here when he quotes from this prophet's words about being not a people at one time and now being the people of God, etc. So it was in the Old Testament, it was hidden in the Old Testament. That's why Paul said it was a mystery. A mystery in Greek in the New Testament refers to something that is not that it's some woo-woo special thing that nobody ever knew about or, or just popped on the scene right now, something that's brand new that's just, that's just occurred. 
but it's been something that's been there all along, but was not understood. It had never been revealed until now. It's like pulling back the curtain and seeing what's been there all along. And Peter is doing that here. He's speaking of the church. Now remember, we call it the church, but it is made up of all believers in Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, whether they be Jew or whether they be Gentile. Peter was a Jew. The apostles were Jewish people. Many of them were Jewish in the earliest foundation of the church, and then it began to grow and expand to include more Gentiles. So Peter is saying here, the church has now become a royal priesthood. We typically dub it now the priesthood of the believer. And what does it say? We are a royal priesthood. This means kingly priests or what God calls a kingdom of priests or king priests. One of the things about the Melchizedek order is that Melchizedek was a king priest. In the Aaronic order of the Levitical priesthood, there wasn't any such thing as a king priest then. There were kings, there were priests, and there were prophets, but there was never one that combined them all. And yet Melchizedek was a king priest, and Jesus has now been established as priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. One of the key elements of that is it's a king priest, and God has made us a kingdom of priests. Let's read that in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 5, I want to read verses 8 through 10. It says this, Now when he had taken the scroll, meaning the worthy lamb, the one that had just been celebrated, the lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests, to our God. Some versions say a kingdom of priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So God has made us kings and priests to our God, or a kingdom of priests to our God. The children of God have been made such. It also speaks of that as John is writing his book in Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. He speaks of that and that this book is written to the royal priesthood. He speaks about it in that passage as well. So Jesus' disciples and followers, even today, are priests unto our God. All the way through history, at the time that we will stand as redeemed and sing this song of the redeemed to the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation 5, because this is a futuristic event. We are part of this group because God has redeemed us by his blood 
out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, meaning Jews and Gentiles alike, out of everyone and every nation and every tongue all across the earth. John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke then, as believers in Jesus, were also priests in this kingdom of priests that Jesus has made us to become. The job of the priest then, in reference to carrying the ark, was to bear it. Their job was to carry the ark on the poles, lift it high when it was time for them to move. I hope you have seen the connection through this, that Jesus is the living ark. He is the presence of God. He is God the Son the Son of the living God, come in the flesh, God with us, Emmanuel. And so the job of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was to bear him to the world. To bear him to the world. So they had to tell and recount him, his life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension to the world so that the world would know him and be able to have eternal life. And I believe that's one of the reasons that John was the wrap-up, so to speak. John had to wrap up the Gospels, give the fullness of the brightness of the account, so that people could know him and have eternal life. John told us in John chapter 20 that was his purpose. And then John is also chosen to be the one to give us the wrap-up that we find in the book of Revelation that tells us how and when all things that have been prophesied that have not yet come to pass will be fulfilled. Each gospel writer brings a different detail in some ways to some of the various events, but all together they carry one thing, the living ark to the world. They lift up Jesus they bear Jesus to all who will read their books. They were up close and personal with detailed description and views of the Lord. Several of them even being intimately involved with Jesus during his life and ministry on earth as his disciples and even within his inner circle. They had the more intimate view and relationship than any other writers during Jesus' life. There were many books that had been written about Jesus, but God chose these four, gave them the inspiration and anointing of the Holy Spirit of the living God, and made them the four priests, if you will, of God in this royal priesthood of the believer to carry Jesus, the living ark, to the world. And they did that, and they continue to do their job very well because people today are still getting saved because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John bear the living ark to the world continually through their writings. And these priests with the living ark, according to the scriptures, have beautiful feet. I want to see why that's so because of what the scripture says to us. I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. 
How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did these things and continue to do so through their writings. They are proclaiming good news, the good news of Jesus, the living ark, God's very presence, God himself with us. They are proclaiming the good news that we can be in relationship with, with the Lord. We can have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We can be born again, saved, and have that peace. They are proclaiming peace. They are bringing the good tidings. They are proclaiming salvation. They have beautiful feet. Praise God for all of his word, including the four Gospels. God sees fit to continue this work even beyond the Gospels with Luke's sequel, Paul and all of the other apostles and their teachings and life examples, including John on Patmos, where God gives us the wrap-up and the rest of the story entirely. And it continues with us today. Because you and I, beloved friend, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have made him Lord and Savior of your life, you have received him and are born again of the Spirit of the living God, then you also are part of the holy priesthood, the royal priesthood that Peter wrote about. And we have the same mission as the gospel authors did. Bear the ark, lift up Jesus, and preach him in all the world. As we wrap up, I want to look at a few closing scriptures. First of all, we start with Jesus' words himself. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus is going to speak here, and, and it says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Mark speaks of it also in Mark chapter 16, two of these ark bearers. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he, too does, he who does not believe will be condemned. We have Matthew and Mark both giving us the Great Commission, the instructions that we too, we too are to bear the ark to the world. We too are to lift up Jesus and preach him in all the world. And then we have the Apostle Paul who writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to begin the reading in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Paul says we preach Christ and Him crucified. Paul is a great example of that continuing on, just like the four Gospels did. We must continue to bear the ark and carry Jesus to the world. The whole Bible centers on one person, Jesus, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, God himself come in the flesh. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had the awesome privilege of bearing him to the whole world in their day. They still do today in the sense of their writings in the scriptures, but it's also our job as members of this king priesthood of the Lord our, our Savior, of the Lord himself. May Jesus find us faithfully bearing him to the world, lifting him up, because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that you also will continue this work and let us all preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, lifting him up to the entire world. Pray this has been a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again in future episodes, future messages brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.